Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with week 85 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer. We're finally back together, Maddie. Yeah, I know. Reunited. <laughs> Feels great. Noah's with his exactly. girlfriend this weekend. And before we get into anything, I, I really wanted to take a moment to thank our listeners because I was looking at – I don't like to boil it down to this, but I was looking at the numbers, and I was really impressed on how remarkably consistent we are despite how sporadic this show gets. I mean, it's very rare I miss the show personally – uh, but I missed it two weeks in a row, and two weeks ago was our best week since June. And I think that's remarkable, <laughs> given the fact that it was, I think, you, Nova, Rachel, and... Yeah, and Moo Dude. Moo Dude, that's who it was. So I, I just think that's really cool that our audience is willing to work with us when the consistent cast isn't there. And you don't see that a lot with other podcasts. They're there for that personality, but I think we're really fortunate to have listeners who will tune in to whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, not that it doesn't matter, but uh, they're willing to work with whoever's there and give them a chance, which is very uncommon with viewers. Very, very uncommon to see them just not go for that instant personality um, and, yeah. and really give all these new people we have on a chance. So I wanted to yeah. take a moment. And it's to also thank you guys. important as well because we, we do try and get fans on the way we can. And the last two weeks kind of exemplified that. More so last week, we got two people that we never had on before. So yeah. it's good that everyone gives you know fans a chance, which encourages more people to come onto the podcast. Yeah, we're going to be trying to rework that process down the line, though, so that we hint, can. Hint. Yeah, so hint. That, well, yeah, just because it's really <laughs> unorganized, if we're honest, and it feels a little last minute and uh, disingenuous. Yeah. So. So we want to we want to rework that process. We'll have more on that down the line. But for now, let's uh, roll into just letting you guys know that as always, we're available on iTunes and Google Play. I do apologize for not getting last week's episode on mobile. It should be up by now when you're listening to this. As most of you know, if you listen to this show every week, I was gone because my grandma did pass away. So I tell you the truth, I was like, fuck making a mobile episode. I really don't feel like it. So yeah. That's what happened. Same thing happened with the timestamps. Once again, did not feel like scrolling through the, the podcast. That's why I asked Loan to host it for me. I was like, can you just do me this solid? So, yeah, but you'll have podcast or well, podcast. You'll have the timestamps down low <laughs> as well. And as always, we like to interact with you guys on Twitter. So be sure to tweet at us with the hashtag HamRadioTime, any of the handles you see on screen. With your answer to the following question, because we're going to be talking about this a lot later on, is what's your favorite Pokemon? Really generic question, but like I said, I think that's important given the fact that this conversation is really going to tailor towards that in the latter half of this podcast. I, I feel like a bunch of our uh, viewers are going to be Gen 1ers, people that only like Gen 1, maybe Gen 2, and that's about it, mm-hmm. which I'm part of that category. I'll, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, what, what would yours be? I never really... I think I personally pick Squirtle. I know it's really basic, well, but I, I love Squirtle. He's so cute. I know. Initially, I think it, it must have been Charizard, I think, because mm-hmm. I, I would always pick him. But eventually, I started to really like Dragonite. Dragonite is by far my most favorite Pokemon now. Yeah. Because I, I just, I, I narrow down, not like, oh, who would I use in battle? You know, that's my favorite for me. It's like, if I were Ash, who would I have following me around everywhere? And it would definitely be Squirtle, without a doubt. <laughs> 
You know what? No, if we're talking about like a loyal pet, Arcanine. He would be yeah. an awesome pet. It would be great, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like I can imagine having Growlithe as a little baby, just like a little baby puppy. I have a Growlithe in Moon right now. It's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, let's roll into this week's Bethesda News Roundup. We have actually a lot to talk about. I, when we were looking for this, I'm like, yeah, there wasn't much going on. And then like Lone just spits out four different things. I'm like, okay, <laughs> never mind. We got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we got stuff to talk about. So let's start off with the most important news of the week, which is that Bethesda's pinball game was revealed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what it's going to be is a tabletop pinball game, uh, digitally, of course, but it's going to be Doom, Elder Scrolls, Fallout. It's coming out December 6th. And, uh, oh, that's pretty soon. Yeah, it's from a company who's done Portal Pinball, Star Wars Pinball. They're known for doing pit, uh, pinball games on various licenses. So this isn't really out of the realm of possibility. It's just very weird after Fallout 4's popularity. Same thing with Elder Scrolls Skyrim, that you see these random things. Like, you'll see Skyrim uh, after its popularity. Now we have an Elder Scrolls card game. Now we have Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, Same thing Mm -hmm. with Fallout. Fallout's popularity led to a mobile game, as well as now we're seeing a pinball game. So it's very interesting that Bethesda's making their brands recognizable all over the place. And uh, that's something that... They don't get enough credit for, I think, because I was reading the interview on Sugar Bombed with Chris Avalon. He was saying how much Bethesda's made Fallout a recognizable public name, for example, because yeah. he said that Chris's parents, he was like, yeah, they don't know what Fallout is, but um, they do now because of Bethesda, but they didn't when mm. he worked on it and he's their son. I was like, damn, I think that says yeah. a lot. And, and also as well, I, I really like how Bethesda's... Um, Starting, like, they've never really not done this, but they are continuously allowing third-party companies to work on their franchises. They're not so protective of them, maybe compared to other publishers. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like that approach. So we are, you know, having a, a pinball game. We did in the past had New Vegas, of course, and we have. I, I, I guess, like, I don't know who else we we talk about here because. Um, Arcane's now essentially under uh, Bethesda's family, but they never originally were. I believe they came on after, but someone's yeah. probably going to correct me if uh, I'm no, wrong. No, I don't think they were originally. I think Dishonored was published by Bethesda, and then they teamed up after that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it's a good thing, because if we just keep waiting on BGS to release Fallout or Elder Scrolls games, we're, we're going to see them so infrequently, and this kind of approach allows us to have more of the, the franchises that we love. Whether it's a pinball, it's not pushing back any other IP, or you know whether it's maybe a, a Fallout New Orleans or something like that, mm. even though I don't think it's going to be called that anymore. It's really good to see it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the moral of this news story, I'd say, is that it's good to see them being flexible with their licenses, right? I'm not saying that Bethesda Pinball hints at a new Fallout game coming from Obsidian. No. Not at all. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Obsidian that works on it next. I don't know who. I'm. My guess would probably be Montreal, if anything. Yeah. But, um, point being is that they're they're flexible with handing out their licenses in certain regards where they're like, okay, we're not going to make a pinball game, but you guys make good pinball games. Let's work together and get something done. Because for Bethesda, it seems like a low-risk investment to do that, right? They're just publishing the yeah. thing. They're offering their licenses, and Zen Studios will create the game. and it'll Essentially easy money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be because you look at, um, I don't know if you heard, but Skyrim Special Edition sold 
uh, outsold really well. Yeah, outsold a lot of games in October. I think it sold upwards of four hundred thousand copies in like its first yeah. week. I was like, what the fuck? Like for a remaster, ladies and gentlemen. Like they just. I'm not minimizing their efforts, but they for a game that's gonna make that much money, they didn't have to do a lot of work. So that was a high fucking profit move. My goodness. Makes well, you wonder. They essentially it did. makes you wonder if that little Terrapin thing we saw was a Fallout 3 remaster, <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh, Fallout 3 remaster. That would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. But essentially, and, and this is to put it in very crude terms, I don't mean to be this brass, but essentially they've done the work that a modder could have done or have done, like to an extent anyways. They did much more than that. And they made this huge profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, and... I, I, touching on the point that you mentioned before about the Montreal studio, I, I do wonder whether, I, when rather, that studio is actually going to say, all right, we're going to make a fully fledged game, make something our own, because they've dealt you know, a little bit in side projects. They, I believe they helped with Fallout Shelter, yes. did they? Or, yeah. Um, and then they, other small things they, here and there. Apparently their first actual game was Skyrim Special Edition, according to Bethesda Net's article. And even then, it was like a port and a remaster, yeah, like right? It wasn't, yeah, it's like they've... They remind me of those studios. Like, I don't know if you remember Blue Point Games. They were the ones who yeah. like, did all the HD remasters when it was first becoming a thing, like Sly Cooper. I think they yeah. did Jack and Daxter. That's what Bethesda Montreal reminds me of, where they're doing the mm. kind of the odd jobs, and then all of a sudden, they're going to get their chance to make a game. Yeah, it's kind of like them finding their bearings, getting used to, you know, working with each other in a studio. I'm willing a very general now, but I, I hope that all of this, these little projects do lead to something a little bit bigger where the developers there aren't just feeling like they're working on small side things that the main BGS studio don't want to want to work on. So I hope it does lead somewhere. Think- and it, it probably makes more sense to have them work on the next, you know, mid... Uh, what, how would you put it? Like an additional like, yeah, all-out game? Yeah, uh yeah something like that the pre-sequel yeah (laughs) they um i think that speaks a little bit of volume saying that they worked on skyrim special edition because they had a chance to get familiar with the tech used to make fallout and elder scrolls so it does definitely make me wonder a little bit i mean i don't want to overthink it because obviously you have a chance to hand it off to a studio who's not doing much uh, my guess, though, is I said this on Twitter a couple of days ago. I just, I just get this feeling. I get this feeling that something's going to be announced this year. I don't know why. I know it's only been. I only know it's only been uh, at at that point. E three twenty seventeen. It'll be two years since Fallout Four was announced. But Holy th- shit! But yeah, that's the thing, right? You're like, wow, time flies. But for me, it's uh. just with the way they've expanded their studio, uh, the way they've been able to show that they can make a game in two and a half, three years. And I I just get this feeling that something's going to be announced. And my prediction was, and I've said this before, was that they'll announce a new IP because that'll need more marketing. Regardless of the the hype period, that will need more marketing or else I feel they'll be setting them up for failure. Where if you announce it and then had a nine-month marketing campaign for a Starfield, we'll say hypothetically, that's my prediction. Because then that'll lead you into 2018 where it would be feasible for a Bethesda Game Studios game to launch. So yeah. I, I just I, it's a hunch. Maybe it's just a me clinging the hope of some kind. But I just get this feeling that that they really do need though, and, and this I think most people can agree with. Bethesda needs a new solid stand standalone IP, something 
that yeah. you know we know that we have Fallout, we know that we have Elder Scrolls. They're always going to sell well. They're you know very very well entrenched franchises. But look to what else that they really have, and there's not that much. I mean, this is something that we'll talk about next or soon. Um, Dishonored Two is actually selling a little bit worse apparently than the original Dishonored. Yeah. Although Dishonored is becoming one of those mainstay franchises that Bethesda releases mm-hmm. or publishes. They need something else because looking around, there's not that much. Yeah, there's Prey. Yeah, there's Doom. But I, I, th- I really think they need something else to stand alone to say, all right, you know, Bethesda's really, you know, uh, getting their bearings with this. And they remain a huge publisher on, on the, you know, comparable with Ubisoft or whoever. Yeah. Um, part of it, I think, is that Fallout 4 showed they had good ideas. I just don't think they used them really on the right franchise. And if yeah, they you're right. applied those ideas to other games, I think it would have worked out exceedingly well. Um, I, I said this from day one, that Fallout 4 was BGS's chance to experiment. They would never have even dared to with their baby Elder Scrolls. No. But Fallout, it, it's not their franchise. Like, they've purchased it, of course, but it's really, it's not the with, franchise. No, of course not. It's not. You know, you can say what you want, but I think a lot of us can speak, especially recently, when playing Skyrim Special Edition... You can see this really interesting attention to detail that is not present in Fallout 4. I love Fallout 4, but that attention to detail is not in Fallout 4 like it is in Skyrim. There's just this interconnection in every hold, and all these dungeons are well thought of. There's too much of a drop-off between the two games in terms of the exploration quality that just says something about how much they, they care about the license. I know they love Fallout, don't get me wrong. I mean, Fallout 3's... Both of our favorite games, you know, one of our favorite yeah. games at least. Yeah. And I think it just it says something when you look at Skyrim and then you look at Fallout 4. There's just too big of a drop-off where I think they wanted to they, – they've – regardless of what they say, uh, Todd just said in a recent interview, he's like, yeah, I'll always work on Fallout and Elder Scrolls. And uh, you wonder if they really mean that because you wonder what the design decisions they made with Fallout 4, are they getting burnt out with just back and forth and back and forth? Do they want to do something different? I think they do. I think that, mm. like I said, the ideas put into Fallout 4 say they do. I know they use the reasoning of that's what you'd expect, and they're right to some degree, but in a Fallout game, I don't expect a voice protagonist, for example. Yeah. So I think they want to try new ideas, and I think they need a new mm. IP for that because I'll be all for those ideas in a different license. And And they have a second studio now. I mean... I, I'm that's the other presume. thing that is why I was saying like yeah. a game next year of some kind because you have yeah. way more people to help accelerate the development of a game you don't yeah. have just this 100 man team you have I don't know how big Montreal is right now but we could say they have up to 200 people that's double the time can that cut the workload in half or can they take on more in that same amount of time and make something even bigger yeah it'll be interesting uh, but yeah, we were talking about Dishonored 2. That's one of the other news bits is that it's not selling as well as the original one. The sales are down 38% compared to the launch of the original Dishonored. Which yeah, and I, this I was at uh, UK retail. It, it, it is a surprise. It was that those numbers were for UK retail sales. So there's an argument to be made that some of that drop off is due to, you know, digital sales being the one of the more dominant forces. And I think it's actually more games are sold digitally you know, compared to the physical versions of it, of an individual game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't just Dishonored 2. You know, it, it's not just because of uh, Beth- what Bethesda did. Yeah. I believe it was also uh, Titanfall, Watch Dogs, uh, Call of Duty, of course, has been on a downward slump for for many years now. But They uh, launched it in uh, a big uh, month. 
Yeah, yeah, it did. Exactly right. And that's probably why Titanfall 2 didn't sell very, very well either. 148,000 units in its first week. That's that's awful. crazy. That's, that's crazy that's to so me. That's so bad, dude. And But have a look at Watch Dogs, for example. I mean, an, an argument can be made that, you know, part of the reason why... And, and let's be honest. Let, let, let's not generalize and say it's because of one reason. There's so many factors going into this. Watch Dogs, for example. One of the main reasons is because everyone was hyped for this new IP and Watch Dogs played it. Maybe it was just an average game. Mm-hmm. So many of those people that picked up the first time didn't pick it up the second time. So that, what, that at least that's a reason for that downward slump. For Dishonored, though, I can't find that reason. Maybe it's more so because everyone's moving to digital and it's, you know, it's becoming easier and easier to download games on your PC or console and just play it there and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, I mean, Dishonored 1 was a great game. Dishonored 2 is getting more publishing, marketing, and advertising and coverage than Dishonored 1 ever did. So yeah. it's very surprising, you know? I was reading a article on Kotaku, which I don't do often, and um, <laughs> they were talking about viewer interest and relating it to game sales, and they were saying that the games that weren't selling well were the ones that were not getting much of its coverage read. So they were using examples like uh, Dishonored and a Titanfall 2, but they were saying Battlefield 1 was selling remarkably well. I think they said sales are up 50%, and guess what? Their stories are being read more. And he said that if this trend continues, that he said the next big game is going to be Final Fantasy 15 because apparently that game gets a bunch of hits no matter what. So I think uh, a lot of it boils down to people, and the reason I mentioned that, and as well as The Last Guardian, he said that as well. Mm. And I think the reason that's important to mention is because these are games that people have been waiting over a decade for. And so yeah. they're going to save their money. They're not going to spend it in October because they want that one title. And especially, yeah. I know not everyone who listens to this is hyped for Final Fantasy 15. You should be. But if you're not, <laughs> um, there are people out there who are, a lot of people, and that game is going to be, regardless of what you say, it's going to be huge. It's going to be a yeah. gigantic game that's going to be very hard for a lot of people to complete. So a lot of people don't want to get invested in another game because... You know, they're, they're going to be spending $60 on a game that's going to have mm-hmm. them hooked in for months and months, probably. And especially with DLC, it's it's going to be crazy, man. And, and touching on that, it's this was an article that I read on gamesindustry.biz where they kind of talked about the UK games industry and why some of these games might be not selling as well as their counterparts. One, like There are other reasons which are purely maybe game-specific, like Watch Dogs mm-hmm. or publisher-specific, and also as well people moving to digital, as I mentioned. But another reason that could explain this drop-off in just game sales, in, in so, an individual individual's purchasing many games now purchasing maybe fewer games is because games nowadays are keeping you more invested into one game and you're not jump you know hopping between different franchises i mean in the past there wasn't really dlc so you'd finish one game six hours to ten hours however long it was and you'd move to the next Mm -hmm. now there's dlc there's new there's game plus or whatever the additional modes are when you finish a game new game plus out yeah new game plus so, and, and, yeah. and again, and, and DLC and, and microtransactions, many games have um, online modes. So you, you stay invested in a game for much longer, so you don't really have a reason to purchase as many other games yeah. as you would have in the past where there was no you know, reason to stay around in one particular game. That's probably another reason why there could be more gamers out there, but they're purchasing fewer titles individually. That's true, though. It, it's absolutely true. A good example a lot of us can relate to is Fallout 4. One I can reasonably yes. get, uh, relate yeah. to is uh, Overwatch. You know, yep. I've been playing that since launch every week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of games out there 
that keep you hooked in for a while. There are going to be other games, like, for example, I think Pokemon's a game that I'll play beat and just be done with, right? I think yeah. it's going to be one of those titles. Let me look at my list. I mean, Doom got a lot of great post-launch support. I never really went back to it personally after that first couple of weeks. I was really big on it. Still one of my favorite games of the year. But yeah, once I was done with it, it was just like it was time to move on. Um, you know, you know, like when I say that I like to play a variety of different games, I don't like to stay invested in one game too much because you know I feel like I I'm not playing other games as a result. That's me coming from a perspective that I have, uh, yeah. you know, more disposable income than maybe other people would. So mm-hmm. maybe other people that are maybe younger, have only part-time or casual jobs, can't, can't afford to buy all of these games, perhaps like I can or someone else can, in a similar position. So they're wanting to just buy fewer titles and get more enjoyment and, and time played out of this one title. And that's why, again, another reason why many gamers maybe not purchasing as many titles as they used to. So it's it's very interesting how the games industry is going. There, there, are, there are a plethora of factors why games like Dishonored, etc. aren't selling as well as they used to. Yeah, I've been really conflicted with that lately, where I've had a lot of thoughts lately where I'm like, you know, I kind of just want to stop playing new games and go back and, and play some other ones. Like, there's games I miss that I just want to go back and play, but then I'm... This is what conflict. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, but I'm in the conflict of, well... You know, I have to stay up to date because I'm a YouTuber, and um, yeah. I'm not complaining, by the way. But I'm just saying yeah. that I do yearn to those days where I would just pick up one game on launch, and that would be my game for a decent amount of time. Where um, I'm hoping that's going to be the case with Final Fantasy, but the chances are I might be reviewing The Last Guardian. I'm in contact with PlayStation. So yeah. I might have to put down the game I've been looking forward to for a really long time now to review The Last Guardian, and then I'll that'll break me out of that experience. You get what I'm saying? Where I've been having that issue too. I haven't played Skyrim Special Edition that much recently. I really wish I could go back to Skyrim and yeah. play more, but for me, it's like, well, I've already played Skyrim a bunch. I put 500 hours into the game. Do it, yeah. Like, would I really finish a whole another playthrough? Probably not. But what I'm saying yeah. is that I I do miss the flexibility and freedom of just playing whatever the hell I want. And uh, <laughs> I, I just haven't done that in a while. I want to go back and play Persona, for example. I, I've been, yeah. oh my God, I've been thinking about Persona 4 so much. I talk about it all the time. I'd love to go yeah. and play it again, but I can't. Yeah. It sucks. And, and you know what the interesting thing is, is that we, when we hear a lot about, oh, games I'm selling as well, blah, 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 blah. That, that might not be selling as well, but I don't think that's actually meaning that they're not making as much money. In fact, they're probably more profitable, even with fewer games out there, because of the plethora of, of microtransactions and additional DLC that gamers that are really invested in one game will continue to shell out. I mean, have a look at mobile games, for example. They're called the whales of the industry. The 5% of gamers that just spent so much money into one particular game. I mean, nowadays, that's where a lot of the sales are coming from. Look at Fallout 4 Season Pass. It was probably almost as much as the main game itself. Probably. It, it, Which makes yeah, it so, really puzzling why they stopped supporting the game. <laughs> really I, I was, I was, I was very disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, they, they must have modeled it. Terrapin. They must have said, yeah, Terrapin. <laughs> <laughs> but they must have considered that this is the price for the season pass, you know, in proportion to whatever we're developing for it, all these DLC. But any, in any event, there are so many reasons why Dishonored 2 wouldn't be selling as well as the original Dishonored. But still, we don't really know. That's one country... And one form of uh, distribution in physical. So talking about Dishonored 2, though, it now works on PC. There has been a big patch that has come out and fixed 
the majority of the problems that were on it. 4.4 gigs, Maddie. Really? It took me ages to download. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? I didn't know it was that big. That's it was nuts. massive. Uh, that's see, that's the thing though. This is I made a video on it. This is mm. why the fucking review policy is shit. A four point four gigabyte <laughs> update? Are you kidding me? Because the game couldn't work on launch. You had that much data that needed to be fixed. That's that's and, and, ludicrous to me. I don't. And, and the annoying that. thing is, is that it wasn't just you know like I have fast internet now, so it wasn't the four point four gigs of download that took the time, but it took so long to unpack it. It was frustrating, and you know. <laughs> What what can you say? It's just the way the industry is now. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I think of it, it's a it's a double-edged sword. We're in a great yeah. position where games that don't work can get fixed. And down the yeah. line, you can have a Battlefield 4, which is a great game now. Uh, but also, it leads to these decisions where you yeah. end up... And also, I should add on to the good side is that you, you'll get more of that game with DLC. But on the bad yeah. side, is you have these poor business decisions where it's like, I oh, get out the door, we'll fix it, people are going to buy it anyway. And I don't think mm-hmm. that's right but i mean that's you're right that's the industry we're in more yeah it sucks but like you can fix these type of problems and i guess that's a good and a bad thing it's more so one of those why do i have to fucking deal with this mm. which i think can be countered very easily but still i, I just... well as always it's you know it's not a click cut issue and i think the way you put it saying it's a double-edged sword it really is it's because it's a double-edged sword in a perfect world i would love for you know the first time that i played uh, now you're. I'm not going to mention it. People get angry when I keep mentioning this game, but all of these, <laughs> all of these games that were released on PC uh, that, that I've played recently, most of them have had issues that within a week or so they get fixed. And for me personally, and I can't speak for everyone else, I'm just kind of used to that. I don't mind waiting a week. I know it sucks that you can't be in the uh, hype of the first week uh, game. You know, everyone's playing, everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. All the spoilers are being thrown around, all that stuff. Yeah. But I'm per- just me personally. I'm fine to wait because I'm a fairly busy person anyway. So if if waiting means I don't have to deal with bugs and issues, then so be it for me. Well, but yeah, obviously, I can't speak for too, everyone else. So I'm I don't mind waiting either. I try to play games around launch, but if I can't. That's fine. I really don't mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm with you on that. But yeah, Dishonored 2 functions on PC now, so a lot of you guys are going to be hopping into a very good game. It's fantastic. And that's the thing. It's a great game. I, yeah. I haven't finished it yet, but a lot of people are saying it's a really only, good game. only issue I have is that there's no lethal options to creatively kill your target, which not only uh, so is it's just a, killing. Yeah, which is not only a step back from the first game, but then you play Hitman, the one that came out this year, puts it to fucking shame with the options yeah. you have. So, yeah. a little conflicting there. But in the terms of uh, from Dishonored one to two, it is a huge step up in every category. Fucking That's great awesome. game. Um, we'll get to the big news last. Let's move on to Fallout: The Frontier. Brand new mod trailer just dropped, and it looks insane. Uh, better than the Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas trailers, if I'm quite honest. It's showing <laughs> new cre- new creatures in the Fallout universe, new lands. I think we're going to be exploring Oregon, uh, 16 square miles or something like that. Really big map. Great. Yeah, really big map. Um, just really, really impressive work. The scripted events that they're doing inside their creation engine. Or, wait, no, it's not creation. It's uh, Gek. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's just phenomenal. It, it shows a real level of talent where it's like Bethesda, hire this team, just hire them all. Because they, clear, yeah, they, they clearly know how to work <laughs> your engine very well and make these fantastic looking events. Yeah. 
That that would be amazing. Like it it would be a very uh, feel good story when Bethesda's like, we've just hired this group of ten modders to work on a new DLC for Fallout Four, for example. That would be such a cool feeling, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I think it would make the whole community just smile and really look forward to it. It would be because everyone thinks that the modders that Bethesda steals from the modders. So what if the modders were Bethesda? Then what? <laughs> I I, I, ha- I hate that rhetoric though. That Bethesda steals from the modders. Yeah. I can't stand it. Yeah. I really, anyway. <laughs> you know, tons of games offer modding, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, just I offering modding, Maddie. Just recently got modding, but after three years, yeah, yeah. But other than that, it's not that many. Maddie, there's actually a switch that exists in all developers' offices. You flick the switch, and modding is a thing. It's yeah. magic. It's beautiful. Yeah, Man. magic <laughs> is a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. So it's very easy. Last bit of news here is the interview that Todd Howard did with Glixel. Now, I don't know who Glixel is, but uh, they're doing an interview with Todd. We want our interview with Todd. I'll say that much. Anyway, <laughs> what he talked about in that interview was Elder Scrolls Six reconfirmed yet again. He said, yeah, we're definitely going to do it. He didn't say anything about the tech, though. When he said it at E3, he said, yeah, you know, if uh, if I told you about this now, you'd say you don't have the tech for it. This time when he was talking about it, he said, I could tell you about it, but I'm not going to. So I thought I, he was going to say, I'd tell you about it or I have to kill you. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he said something like that. To tell you the truth, I really wouldn't put it past him. But um, I, I think that was an interesting change of pace for him. It makes you wonder if the Scorpio is what they needed. Uh, but I'm not going to look too deep into that. Other highlights of that interview, from my memory, was the Nintendo Switch. Todd is huge on the Nintendo Switch. He loves what he sees. He yeah. confer- I believe he confirmed that Skyrim will be on there. He asked him. The guy asked him about. Uh, can you actually take Skyrim on the go? And he was like, yeah, you can. So it seems like it's actually a thing happening, which is awesome. But he is big on supporting the Nintendo Switch. He said, we will definitely be doing stuff on there. That's awesome. He also talked about Fallout 4 VR. He said, we're going to try to put the full game on the VR, which is, once again, really a big deal. I'm mm. I'm really excited to see if that pans out because I tested it at E3. And the yeah. only issue I had, which is, is very common with VR so that you don't get disoriented, is like you point with the left, uh, whatever it's called, and you click, and then you'll teleport to where you're looking. And so you're not walking there. You're just clicking, and you're just teleporting all around the map. Wait, what? Yeah, it, so it's it's really different. I mean, this is just in the Red Rocket area for the so, gas station. Wait, is there no joystick where you can just like walk like normal or not? No, there's not. It was, it was just a point and click. And then, what was what? cool? That's really weird. Yeah, it was, it really, was really strange, but I, I think it makes sense in the terms of disorienting people where, you know, it keeps you stable and then you can just look around with your head and then click and go. So I really. No, nah, that's weird to me. That's weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Maybe I, I it's a, you don't know until you try, but. Yeah, no, I thought it was, I thought it was strange. Mind you, this is like an early thing. Yeah, yeah, but, fair enough. Um, I also remember it just being really cool, like holding up your left arm and actually having the pit boy on your arm it wasn't like press b and then the pit boy comes up and it's just, it's basically a yeah, menu cool. it was actually cool. like you lift your arm and there's the pit boy and you can go through it with your right hand and click stuff and it was like that level of interaction that was really awesome so to hear that they're trying to get the full game onto vr is really awesome that's cool but yeah. you know i think with vr they need a blockbuster hit they really need something like batman which they have, but like act- an actual full game, not just like a series of levels, which I believe Batman VR is. Yeah, Batman VR is like apparently 
really good. I mean, I've, oh my God, I played it and I lost my shit at E3, but, um, apparently that was like really good, but it was 40 minutes long. You know, it's not a long game. Yeah. And they need, a, you know, big franchises like that to have full games on VR, but it's kind of like the, I catch 22 developers and publishers don't want to make games for the VR until the audience base is there, but there won't be an audience base unless there's big games on there. So it's going to be a very slow process. Yeah. Um, but that, a lot of people were saying that it would sell units. I know someone asked Pete Hines about um, Fallout 4 VR and said, like, it was some system-specific question, but it suggested that Fallout 4 VR will be on the PSVR as well, which I thought was very surprising. Um, because if you can get those types of games on PSVR, which seems to be, I want to say the most casual version, but the most user-accessible version that people are open to, at the yeah. moment, then I think yeah. that would be huge. I think that would push VR to a new level because Fallout 4 was a huge yeah. game. Getting that on VR, PSVR specifically, would be really cool. Yeah, definitely. I will say, though, that you know, someone that's tried PSVR, if you're used to even 1080p, very high ultra settings games on PC, going to PSVR is like putting a bunch of pixelated graphics that are very low res up into your eyes it's noticeable for for me personally and i'm trying to, i'm not trying to hate on it because it's made vr very accessible to the wide audience but if you come from a pc gaming background you do notice that very you know very much straight away it's very low res and pixelated mm-hmm. yeah yeah there is a, a weird difference between them but i i'm looking forward to it I imagine though that they they're going to announce like fallout 4 vr and it's going to be like the big release date and stuff and they yeah. play a trailer and everyone's like, Oh God, new fallout game. And then it's like fallout Four VR. That would be the biggest <laughs> slap in the face. I'm going to call that right. Fucking now. I just get this feeling, man. I don't know if I'm so confident now. No, I think we'll be able to very much tell that it is fallout four. Although how the hell do you advertise a VR game? Anyway, that's true. But you could just be like, yeah, we're bringing fallout four to VR. Oh, man, I, oh man, I, I really hope they do something next year. I really do. It's exciting when Bethesda <laughs> Game Studios always does something. Like it was really yeah. nice to see them this past E3 and the E3 before that. I'm, I'm glad that they're getting Todd to come out of the shell a little bit and you know be human. But what are they going to do, Matty? I mean, like what other games do they have now? I mean, they they talked about Skyrim Special Edition, Dishonored Two. There's no more Fallout DLC. Pray, I, you pray. Maybe Dishonored Two DLC. Fallout Online. <laughs> you, well, you know what? I was actually going to mention before, but it slipped my mind. Zenimax Online, they, they're going to be wrapping up an ESO, right? They they, they can't keep... They can't have an entire development studio doing that one game. they got to be working on something on the side. If Oh, my God. Imagine if they're doing a Fallout Online. That actually... Fallout Online. <laughs> you know, to tell you the truth, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the next step. I, I really yeah. would not. It's just... It, it would... Because it's so, like we were talking about earlier, it's so widely known to the public. Yep. We've actually dedicated part of an episode to this that I just feel like a Fallout Online, as a business, they'd probably be like, this is the next logical step so that Todd's team can take focus away from Fallout because it's going to be constantly supported. Uh, That'd be good for us, Lone. Tell you the truth, dude. 
uh, content wise, we'd be we'd be set for a fucking while. <laughs> that bro. that is true. No, no, you're right. Selfishly, that is very, I have very to true. say that that we'd yeah. be we'd be good for a while, and that's as a creator, that's relieving always to. Yeah. Know and and I would definitely flow. be willing to give it a go, even though we, as we all know, Esso is a very polarizing game, and I think with Fallout, it's going to be just as polar polarizing. Oh, you're you're going to have people that are like, yeah, it's more Fallout, let's give it a go, and then the others, this is not Fallout. This yeah. is an online crappy game, which is not preventing other Fallout games. Although, if if they were to say, let's, we can only either do a Fallout Online or have the Montreal studio do you know, Fallout New Orleans, for the lack of a better term, obviously I'd prefer the, other, yeah. the, the latter option. What we're deducing here is that there's a lot of options on the table. They could yeah. go back and do the uh, similar style of an Obsidian Fallout, you know, hand it off to another studio. I don't think it'd be Obsidian, so I don't know if Bethesda Game Studios would be comfortable with handing that license out of office to someone else. That's why I'm assuming it would be a Montreal, just because yeah. I'd keep it within the Bethesda Game Studios name. It's like, this is our game franchise. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like, like I said, Fallout Online is a logical next step, because that's just, you know, if you're a business, I'd say, okay, we're at a peak interest level right now. Online keeps long-term interest. We do this right, just like they got Tamriel Unlimited right. Not the original ESO, but Tamriel Unlimited right, mm. uh, that they've started to make a lot of money off of it. Well, that's the thing. They've finally gotten the formula right. They, you know, ESO at launch obviously wasn't uh, as good as it could have been, but now, from all accounts, it's a very, very good game. And if they can start off on that foot with Fallout Online, it might not have that split in the community that Esso brought in the first place. So who knows? Yeah, time will tell. I wouldn't be... Okay, here's the thing that people need to realize is that it's going to happen at one point down the line. (laughs) There's going to be some type of online mechanic for Fallout, whether it's multiplayer co-op or ESO kind of thing where it's a MMO. It's going to be happening one way or another. People need to wrap their head around that very fast because... And and also paid mods is going to happen at one point too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right, we got go, lots go of controversy to talk about. All right, YouTube drama. Yeah, get the clicks. Yeah, clickbaity headache. No, dude. What's funny though is I don't even do this intentionally, but I've noticed when I talk, when I put exposed in two titles because it just in terms of grammar, it made sense. I didn't even think about it. Like how Bethesda's review policy was horribly exposed and um, exposed. I think I, I, I think I put exposed in a thumbnail. It wasn't even the title. I put it in a thumbnail, and that video went viral. And then this, so this review policy video is doing really well. I'm like, are, is this like really a thing? Like people actually keemstar my videos. They're like, yo, exposed. <laughs> I gotta look at this. So, <laughs> so it's flashy words, Maddie. You gotta cut down on them. Exposed. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it just makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> that's true. So we're all on the segment three. What games we're playing? Our favorite video games, news bits. Lone. I see you've been gaming a lot recently. I have been. So uh, if people don't follow me on my personal channel, I've had a bit of a, a YouTube midlife crisis, which I've attributed initially anyways a lot to my per- very personal, uh, busy personal schedule rather, and I just hadn't had the time to make videos. And I just got to the point where doing these news update videos, one, they were taking away time from me gaming, and two, I just wasn't enjoying them as much anymore. I, I wasn't feeling that excitement that I felt when I did news videos for Fallout 4, and obviously that's died down. So I've just started to say, I, I just said, fuck it, I don't care about views on my channel anymore. Uh, it's it's slowly dying out, so I'm just going to do Let's Plays on my channel and just view YouTube personally, like, solely as a hobby, and, and not trying to be 
you know, oh, I have a YouTube as a career, which for a while, arguably, I was trying to do on the side and, and manage a full-time job, which was just never going to fucking happen. So I've been playing Fallout 3 again and Assassin's Creed 1, which has just been a blast to, to stream. I've been doing the streams and then recording that at the same time and putting it into Let's Play format. It allows me to stream. It allows me to make videos. So I've been really having fun <laughs> with it. you truth, that's where a lot of people find success. They just say, okay, I'm going to give up on the long-term plan of this is, what I, this is my goal. And they just do what they want, and they find success there. So I'm, I'm sure you will. Um, because people, I mean, that like-to-dislike ratio is nuts, dude. That was insane. It was yeah. absolutely insane. But you know what the, the, the funny thing is, Manny? Now that we, you know, we're talking about YouTube just a, a little bit, I know that my subs haven't gone away because when I made a video on my channel about my YouTube channel is dying and that's the truth, before that, on average, my views, my videos would get like two to three, maybe four thousand views. That video, which got ninety percent plus of my current subscribers watching it, has almost nine thousand views. They're all there. They're all there, wanting to click on my videos, but they they just didn't until they saw that video, which is a bit drama filled, and, and they wanted to click on it. Mm. Whereas before that, no joke, maybe seventy or twenty percent to twenty five percent of my subscribers would only click on my videos. So suddenly they all came out of the woodwork. Yeah, and I've, I could tell. I've realized one thing that's really important to sustaining the life of a channel, and um, I, I realized this as well after I made a more personal video, just thanking people because it was a year since Fallout Four, and I was like, I just want to say thanks because I didn't expect anyone to stay around this long. I thought my channel would die a month or yeah. two after. And it didn't. In fact, things improved. And um, I, I realized that viewers really appreciate when you touch base and they stay invested longer when they know you care. Because before that, it, obviously, I had that, that drama. Oh, God, I said drama. Fuck. I'm really <laughs> I had that issue uh, with the whole uh, Skyrim special edition lore title thing. It was really silly. But before that, I never really sat down and touched base with my subs for a while. And that's not like me. I, yeah. I, I usually do that pretty consistently. Every month or two, I'll sit down and, and just talk to them and say, like, hey, thanks for everything. This is how things are going mm -hmm. for me right now. And um, I think that's why you've seen a reactivation of people is because not that they didn't think you didn't, you didn't care, but you touched base with them. You told them what's going on. You were very honest. And uh, yeah. they respected that and were like, let's help him out. You know, this is, you know, he's a great guy. He's clearly invested. He's made up his mind. He knows what he wants. Yeah. And the thing is, I was probably a little bit hard on myself because as we found out in the in the coming weeks, it seems to be a, a YouTube trend. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if it's just gaming channels, but a lot of big time and mid tier and even small gaming channels like myself. Now it's like fixing yourself because my stuff's like starting to kick, pick back up. But like at the same time, yeah. like it's. Now it's like middle of the ground. Now like, like there was a, that week it was like 10k, 15k. I'm like, what's happening? And then like now I know, 20K, everyone was 30k. Down. Yeah, like everyone, ladies and gentlemen, it was nuts. It was like a, a widespread creator panic. We're like, does everyone just yeah. hate us now? So yeah, it was. Yeah. Pretty, it's pretty stressful. So I I decided to I guess stop because the thing is I, I you know I I do harp on the fact that I have a full time job, but I have a great job that's providing me with income that's mm -hmm. lets me to you know have my own apartment and, and buy all these games and and be able to do youtube in the first place so that has to be my priority and, and of course my girlfriend as well i'm just viewing youtube solely as a hobby and i wasn't enjoying the videos i was making but i enjoy playing games and i wasn't doing that before because of youtube so now i'm i'm literally melding streaming youtube and playing games all in one and it's, it's just working i'm having so much fun cool cool any yeah. news that you're fond of 
Nintendo Switch. So, mm. apparently, with Pokemon Sun and Moon coming out, I was very tempted to buy it. I was very tempted to get a 3DS, which would have been, I think, 250 or $300 or something. Australian, mind you. Um, I saw some news that apparently there's going to be a third Pokemon game. Like, they usually do. It was like Pokemon Emeralds and Pokemon Crystal. Um, they're gonna, there's going to be a third Pokemon game, apparently, called Pokemon Stars that comes out on the Nintendo Switch. So there's actually the handheld Pokemon game that's moved to the Nintendo Switch, which has made me very happy that I didn't buy uh, a 3DS in the first place because that's mon- that money is now going to go to the Switch console, mm. which not only Pokemon Stars, but then you've got Breath of the Wild, which is just amazing. It just looks fucking awesome. I wish I could um, get in the Zelda. <laughs> I really really do. Like, I look at that game, I'm like, this looks so cool, but, like, I just can't get myself to care. You gotta, you gotta, Maddie. Honestly, it's it's like if uh, Zelda met Skyrim, literally. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can cook your own food, you could, like, your weapons have durability, it's it's everything. Well, the reason I have trouble getting into it is because what I've seen just from community reception, whether it's forums, comments, Twitter, that stuff is that this is the Zelda game that people have waited for all their lives. And the way I compare it to is because they've been playing it all their lives, they've seen the series develop, and they're like, I just want that open-world Zelda game. I look at it like Pokemon. I've played you know every single Pokemon game, but the one yep. I truly want is the one where I create my own guy, and I'm yeah. running around in a fully 3D world, open, just open exploration, hopping between regions, whether it's Johto, Kanto, now Alola or Lohan, whatever it's called. Or a low lawn, I can't remember. But hop in between, <laughs> yeah, between all these regions and just catching Pokemon as they're out in the wild. If you guys want an example of what I'm talking about, there's this fan-made game called Pokemon Generations. Kind hmm. of a similar structure to what I'm thinking of. Um, and, and when you get into a battle, it's not turn-taking. It's actually uh, almost like Pokemon Tournament, like that type of head-to-head that's, combat between that's Pokemon. Cool. You know, that's what I'm waiting for, personally. So that's how I view it. We're I'm so invested in Pokemon that when that day comes, I will be so beyond excited. And that's how I view it with this Breath of the Wild or whatever it's called, where Mm. people have been invested in Zelda for so long, rightfully so. It's a great series Yeah, that now they're seeing that game that they've dreamed of, that open world Zelda game. Definitely. And I've been a fan of of Zelda for a very long time. The first one that I played, I think many people played, and and they hold in high regard, is Ocarina of Time. And I I never really played the Zelda one. I like that. It's, one. it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, did you like Majora's Mask? Because this is a thing, though, I, Matt. Like, I wasn't a fan of the time thing. So I this never is the thing. It. Ocarina of Time is, is held as a great game, but Majora's Mask was also fucking phenomenal, as was Wind Waker. They're all really great games. See, that's the thing. I've, I've tried all those. Like, Majora's Mask, the time thing just did not click with me. I know that they, I, with the I, 3DS it, version, I apparently they made it easier, but I just didn't like it. Um, because I think of it like Dead Rising Two, for example, where it gives you that yeah. time, and it's like I want to take my time and explore. <laughs> Fuck, my voice keeps cracking, but I want to take my time <laughs> and explore, not feel rushed to beat your game. It was um, such a dark, gritty game, though. I, I just I love the change in in um perspective. Okay, actually, I lied because I I know I, I said I played Ocarina of Time, but the one that I liked and played all the way through, I've said this a couple of times before. Twilight Princess. That yeah, was yeah. a, oh my god, I love that game. Great game, man. Yeah. That's that's how I would define a dark and gritty Zelda. Just that mm. art style, um, the way it begins and how it carries itself. Mm. Um, you know, it goes from very lighthearted to dark fast. 
Uh, all the... they're, they're, they're all such, like, really, if you look at it across the board, it's such a high, well, the, the franchise is always to a high standard. Yeah. It's always, it's not the case of which uh, Zelda game do you hate, it's which do you like the least. Mm-hmm. They're, they're really Bioshock. all that great. Bioshock. But Bioshock, yes. Yeah, that's, that's literally <laughs> Bioshock, because I use that as an example. I was, I made a video recently talking about, like, why do just why do people feel the need to just constantly hate on Fallout 4, like, to the point where you have to remind them all the time, like, yo, by the way, I, I, you know, you have a good day, but I hate Fallout 4, just in case you do. <laughs> you know? It's so true. Yeah. It's, it's like it's their fucking uh, email signature. Yeah. By the way, I yeah, hate like, Fallout 4. <laughs> yeah, you know, best, Maddie, and then underneath and saying, sure, fuck Fallout, like, something like that. <laughs> and so... Someone said, uh, you know, Fallout 4 is a, a good game, but not a good Fallout game. I'm like, I don't think that argument applies. And the reason I believe that is because you look at the Bioshock franchise, you look at Bioshock 2, which I think is a fantastic video game, but is widely regarded as not a good Bioshock game, just not a good game in general. Because uh-huh. the series, series is held to such a high standard, I think yeah. the same problem could apply to Fallout with that that argument. So that just whole Zelda discussion reminded me of... Bioshock 2 and how I, I use that as an example recently because I, I think a lot of people get that mixed up with what a bad game is, what a disappointing game is, and what a game is that's bad for a series and, and what it's just it's it's so much complication involved there. And, and and it's always tricky to meet fan expectations and it's only getting harder when there are more and more fans invested in each franchise. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because and, and this is why, mind you, this is why that the first game that's released in a franchise is usually regarded as the best because it's not like any design decision you've made it, like in a in a sequel, right, or an additional game that might contradict or not meet what happened in the first game. But the first game establishes everything, so you can't complain that something was not the way you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. But when there's a second game and a third and a fourth, you're like, oh, but that was different to the first game. Why isn't it like this? You know, they've completely changed how everything was. But if that game was released as a standalone, it probably wouldn't receive that negativity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if Fallout 4 was released uh how about this right if, if fallout 3 you know we have fallout 3 that was released if that was exactly how fallout 4 was obviously down you know reduce the graphics all that stuff people probably would have loved it right and they probably wouldn't have compared it so harshly you know compared to, to fallout 3 because that was such a, an, an amazing game so i i always try and bear that in mind that things need to change you know <sighs> games do change and I got to manage and temper my expectations because not everything can be like the first time you pick up a franchise and you have that nostalgia there. It's just, it's so hard to get it right. Yeah, that's the thing. I remember saying in a video, oh my God, it was, it was long before Fallout 4 came out, but it was one of my more popular pre Fallout 4 videos before my channel grew. Was I was saying, letting go of nostalgia is key. Like Fallout 3 and New Vegas are some of our favorite games. But Fallout 4 will not be Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas. You are going to have to accept it for what it is and prepare yourself. That's why I entered Fallout 4 with that mindset. I fucking like the game a lot. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, I, I didn't go in there expecting Fallout 3 because Fallout 3 is one of the best games ever made, in my opinion. You know, it's, it nails its tone and its world and its music. Oh, God. Like, it's just, it's such a fucking great game. And, and this is the thing, Maddie, right? Like, when I played Fallout New Vegas... I went into Fallout New Vegas thinking I'd get Fallout 3, and I didn't get that. So the first yeah, time I same, played, I was same, disappointed. Same, yep. I, I was utterly disappointed. But then you think back on it and say, you know what? New Vegas was a great game. You know, It allowed you to have choice and, and support who you wanted. It had great factions. It maybe didn't have the most interesting world, but it had awesome guns. Like, 
it, it did so many things right that the first time I played it, I couldn't see past because I was so concerned about about it not being like Fallout 3. Mm-hmm. But then you had fans that were fans likely of the original Fallouts that got Fallout New Vegas and thought, oh, this is more like the original Fallouts. I like it again. Yeah. But then people that liked Fallout 3, you know, had the reverse effect. So I, I think a very similar thing happened with Fallout 4. And I don't think anyone can say that it's objectively a bad game because it's not. It's just different. Welcome to Ham Radio Podcast. We're talking about Zelda will inevitably lead to Fallout 4, and if it's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking no, I can't, about I can't we were talking about Pokemon a little bit, and uh, I've been playing Pokemon Moon this week. How is it, oh, man, dude? I think this is one of the most overrated games of the fucking year. If I'm honest. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, exposed. All right, go on. Yeah, exposed. I love Pokemon. So I'm, is it Pokemon? 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 Like, which one is it? It, it, it's pokemon pokemon okay i think I, or is it poke no i think it is pokemon i like. think it's pokemon but i think that's obnoxious so yeah i'm just saying pokemon <laughs> so i've been playing i think i'm 10 hours in the moon and yep. problem number one let me go this game is stopping me every five fucking seconds <laughs> for a cutscene. i loved my favorite pokemon game is emerald because they set your objective. You'll stop for story beats every now and then, but for the most part, you are free to just fucking explore, catch, fight other trainers, that type of stuff. That's my first issue. Number two is what's wrong with these trainers? Why they only have two Pokemon Max on them? Why? <laughs> All of them are carrying two. Trainer battles are no longer a thing that gets me nervous. They are fucking easy. I have not died once. It's like no Pokemon's fainted for me. No one. Easy game. That's another problem. Yeah. Uh, another problem that attests to that is because of the fact that they give you XP share so fast. So, yes, they remove the grind. Great design choice. But also, it makes you realize, damn, I can just fly through this fucking game. Mm. I like the conveniences they've made. For example, removing the HMs and instead giving you Pokemon assigned to those HMs as the story progresses. So you don't have to have that one HM whore Pokemon. HM who just, Yeah, <laughs> who just has, like, Surf, Fly, and so on. Yeah, no. So, the other thing is that a lot of people say this is a more personal story. Now, this is just what I've expected in Pokemon games. So, it's, uh, that's why I'm saying my expectations were a little bit different when I was hearing, like, oh, it's a lot more of an original tale. But right now, I mean, I'm 10 hours in, so I, I could change. But, like, I'd imagine it would have changed by now. But it's like, the Island Trials, be the best trainer, catch them all. Like, uh I'm not saying it's worn thin on me. It hasn't. I'm still playing. I'm still enjoying myself a lot. It's just that I don't know. The reason I'm calling it overrated is not because of my personal enjoyment. I'm loving the game, but because people are hyping it up like it's something different, and it's not. It's not. I'm not <laughs> it's saying it's a different Pokemon, coat of paint. Yeah, it's not like the formula needed to change. The formula is great, but people saying it's an original story. There's only one moment that was really like standout. Wow. And for me, it was I went to a, a cemetery. And I was already there. I was already there before, but I was re-exploring the world, um, which is another thing they did well with. They they've done a great job with the world design because of you know when you unlock certain things, obviously going back to them. But they've they've done more with that, so exploration is more rewarding. But I go back to this yeah. cemetery, which is a little side area, really not that important. And there were trainers there, but they're still there. But now there's this new thing there, and it was a machamp or a machoke rather, and it was holding this woman in front of a, a tombstone. So I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, am I going to battle this thing? So I, I go and talk to them. 
And uh, it's this woman talking, and they change the music. It's really sad. This woman's crying. And um, this Machoke is crying, and she's like, don't worry. It's going to be okay. He's in a better place now. Like, a really sad moment of a Pokemon losing its master. And apparently, he died in a car accident. She was saying, she's like, I was so mad. I hated the person who got in the accident. But then I saw this young woman, and, you know, I wasn't mad anymore. Because how could I be mad at someone who didn't really – I don't remember what she said, but – it was like it was really heavy. I was just like, you know, that was that's what I look for in Pokemon because the older ones had those perfect mixtures of this is kid friendly, but this is also incorporating a lot of mature themes. And you'll see that mm-hmm. a little bit in some of the bios of the Pokemon. I really appreciate that too. Like I said, I like this game a lot. I'm just saying that it's not really stand out different from the rest, which a lot of people are proclaiming it is. Yeah. But yeah, like that moment there, I was like, I was really shocked about it. I was like, wow, that was heavy. That was the equivalent to like the heaviness of in Pokemon Blue when you were um, in... In Lavender Town? Yeah. Yeah. And you were in that cemetery and it was like Cubone. You were learning about his backstory yeah. and uh, all these It's also very similar to... um the Pokemon. It was like, holy shit, man, this is heavy. Well, it's, it's very similar to... I don't think you played Pokemon Crystal, like the gold and silver, but... It's very similar to how you first go into like the burnt towers and learn how three Pokemon perished and then they were reborn. Like that very it, that sudden change in in feeling of the game, it suddenly feels more deep and dark, and it, it sounds very similar to what you experience in Sun and Moon. Yeah, well, because here's the thing: is that I like those moments not because it's dark and different, but because it reminds you that Pokemon is a universe. People die, people mm-hmm. live. You know, they like. Uh, another trainer I battled in there was I, I talked to him after the battle and you know his little blurb was like oh this is where Makuhita's partner uh, is resting right now because I had just fought that Makuhita and he was like you know that's where he's resting right now and he's like they were like um, father and son so you know you have those more interconnected moments that remind you that it's not like oh Pokemon just faints and you know your best friends forever like they pass away uh, mm. those human connections to the Pokemon universe, I think are really important. And I- I'm glad to see that moon is tying them in, but some of its main story, uh, part of the reason it's lacking is because I can't tell if they're trying to build up to something more serious. There's a lot of mystery in Alola that I'm trying to figure out that I really like, but then you have team skull. Have you seen anything on team? Skull? Oh, they, they look so terrible. Don't they? Dumbest choice. Dumbest. Uh, choice. Yeah. I was so upset when I saw them like, Dancing oddly yeah. and yeah, walking they, to like, like this weird rap what's music, up, dude. You know, like they have, uh, the, they, they have the coolest battle music in the game, as far as I'm concerned right now. But uh, like when I see him show up, I'm like, yo, you're no one. You're never gonna beat Team Rocket, Team Magma, Team Aqua. Uh, like, I know, like Team Magma, it was like awesome. Team, ah, you, you've given me nostalgia feels now. Yeah, like you know, obviously. I think it would just be smart. Hey, why not go? It's been so long. They keep trying to innovate these new teams. I would be like, wait, it's been so long. Why don't we go back to Team Rocket? Why don't we bring? Yeah. Like, why not? Right? I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think that would be. But interesting. I, I feel like the whatever they're fucking called, they, they feel more like comic relief. But that the bad guys in the game shouldn't be comic relief. That's the they, thing, they yeah. should be the bad guys. I thought they were like a joke, like ah, whatever. And then like I, I read. I had a notification on my 3DS and I looked at it and then it was like a promotion for Pokemon Sun and Moon. And they were like, oh yeah, and like, you know, conquer all the sh- island trials, but make sure to stop uh, 
Team Skull from wreaking havoc on Alola. Oh, I'm like, these are really like the bad guys. <laughs> really, they are. Like, they don't have anything uh, up their sleeves right now. Damn. Yeah. Damn. I mean, here, like, here's the thing, though. It's like, it's a great game. It's just, I think it's very overrated based off the bold claims people are making. Like, it's an original story. It's really different. I'm like, no. No, it's not. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, also, the I, island I remember... trials are really easy too. Like the, the there's no puzzles so far. There's only four of them. Well, there's four islands. There's seven trials. Uh, ah, yeah, the okay. islands has like I think three trials or something like that. So yeah, like they're. I like the world of Alola. It's just I, I'm very conflicted on this game right now, and that's why part of the reason I'm, I'm pushing through. It's not like I was expecting. Here's the thing too: is I didn't pay close attention to any of the marketing aside from like some of the new Pokemon. Um, like the Alola Sand Slash, the yeah. Alola Meowth, that type of stuff really <laughs> caught my eye. Executor, of course. But um, I, I didn't really pay close attention to anything else outside of that. Like, I didn't know who Team Skull was. I don't didn't know any of the characters, didn't know much about Alola, to tell you the truth. So I was mm. going to this very blind. So to say that I was kind of, like, disappointed so far, it, I think says a lot, especially someone who's played all the Pokemon games. Yeah. But I, I, what I'm planning on doing is probably finishing this and going straight back to Omega Ruby. Like I'm just okay. gonna, I'm going to play the Pokemon game that I really like. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I don't know. I was look. I was someone that was very invested in the build up and marketing for this game, and I haven't picked it up because now I'm waiting for a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. At, at start, I felt like I was being very harsh on the designs for the Pokemon, and eventually, I was like, well, you know what? Here's about six or seven Pokemon that would form part of my team. But I don't know, like, I'm not trying to sound like a Gen 1 and say Gen 1 was the best because, it, you know, it, it had shitty Pokemon too, very basic design Pokemon. But just yeah, kind of looking... Backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but just looking at the entirety of the new Pokedex, I don't know, it just... I, I'm not feeling it. And I, and I felt it. Like, a, a lot of the bl- black and white and, and previous Pokemon designs, I was like, yeah, they still have redeeming qualities about them when you look at them as a whole. But with, with Pokemon Sun and Moon, I'm thinking, usually I struggle to pick a team of six. Now I'm not really struggling. I'm like, mm. these are clearly the ones that I'd pick. I've and, and... gravitated towards all Gen 1 as well. Uh, naturally. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but like Gen 1. and uh, Is Gen 2 the Emerald or is that Gen 3? No, that, that's Gen 3. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. But, um, you know... But it, usually what I do, though, is try and pick one Pokemon, for, like, my favorite Pokemon, Dragonite, of course, from the previous ones, and then try and go all new. So I have, like, my buddy, like, Ash kind of has Pikachu. Mm-hmm. I have my buddy, my favorite Pokemon, and then I try and get the new ones to try and mix it up. But Yeah, it's... It's a good game, don't get me wrong. It's just there's like you like you just said, yeah, it's something's not clicking for me. It it's because yeah. it tries comic relief in so many areas. And it's like number one, the game's not that heavy anyway. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, at least not yet. But you know, it it doesn't recognize that, for example, like some of the Pokemon, they know they have to know they look so ridiculous. Like that's comic relief in its own. Some of the bios they write, that's comic relief in its own. Team Skull comic relief like there's comic relief all over the fucking place some of the it's also like and i get that this is also it's partially a kids game so i have to give it some slack here 
But like yeah. it's it's weird design choices. Like I walk into a city, he's like, "Hey, you, what's up? Oh, you look like a great trainer. Here's this core story item that you're gonna need later on." It's like, who the fuck are you again? <laughs> like, I'm sorry that, and that's me just being uh, a critical gamer. I don't yeah. really, I don't really knock points. I put that in quotes off of Pokemon Sun or Moon for that. Just for me, I see that I'm like, what the fuck? Like, if I'm in real life, no one's gonna walk up to me and give me a very important <laughs> item. They probably have family, friends, like someone to give that to. Why would they yeah, just yeah. be like, you look like a good trainer. Like, I haven't seen you battle before. You just look like a good one. And I guess yeah. if you look the part in Pokemon, you get the job done. Shit. <laughs> I guess it's kind of one of those pet peeve things where to you, it's like you're being, I guess, irrationally angry about that, but you accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'll admit, like a lot of things I'm nitpicking on for sure. Yeah. But I think it's also because I, and I guess this is how some people fall off or feel, but like for me, it's. I I see some things that people have been talking up, like the story, and I'm like, this really isn't a story. It's like that typical explore mm. the world. Um, because I see the reason I I want to wrap it back to Emerald is because I really appreciate how that game was designed. Because you had that main narrative, go be the Pokemon champion, uh, yeah. conquer the Elite Four. But you had the mystery of Rayquaza. You had the yes. mystery uh, and the the combat between Team Aqua and Magma, and they were threatening ending the world in a yes. really interesting plot. So it all interwove into a story where it's like, yeah, you have that ultimate goal where you're going to conquer, you know, the Elite Four. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, though, Matty. Where I I don't know if you played Ruby or Sapphire, but if you yeah. played Ruby or Sapphire, the the bad guys helping you would actually change. So mm. I, from memory, and I don't know if I'm right with this, but if you played Sapphire, Team Magma was your friend. And if you played Team uh, Pokemon Ruby, then Team uh, fucking Aqua was your friend. So it changed it. It made it, like, it was a very similar story, you know, on either side. But I found that always very, very cool about it. And then Emerald just completely changed that too. It, yeah. They were, they were great games. Yeah, and so... I kind of look at that and how they interweaved, like, having the faction story, like a, t- a Team Rocket, with the typical Pokemon, be the best trainer you can be story, yeah. and also the mystery of the new legendaries. I think yeah. that was, like, the perfect mix, where Moon is, like, there's definitely good mystery on the legendaries, who they are, what they mean to these islands. That's really well done. The main story, yeah, yeah you have this general go conquer all the island challenges. Interesting premise. Island challenge trials themselves aren't really anything to brag about because they're not like puzzles compared to mm. the Pokemon gyms. And then there's the grand trial where you take on the Kahuna, which is like the leader of the island. So it's interesting in that regard. But I like the, the puzzles in the Pokemon gyms, if I'm honest. I, I really did appreciate Fair those. Enough. Maybe okay. not other people did. But I, I think while seeing the series evolve into this 3D Pokemon universe, I think it's really cool to see them try these puzzles in different ways that they couldn't before. And I didn't see that so far in moon. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I, I guess it's one of those things where it's, it's still good. It's just different. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to let that go as a long time fan. This series. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why I'm saying like, I think it's overrated, but it's still, I, I've said it multiple times to hopefully get my point across to anyone. I'm going to piss off that. I think <laughs> it's still a fucking great game. You know? Yeah. But regardless, my favorite news, get onto that. Uh, and we won't stay on this one too long, of course, as uh, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 15 is finally coming out next week. So excited, Maddie! I know. I've been talking about this <laughs> game for a while, and yep. I cannot wait. I've been – this is the game that I, I keep breaking my will on. I'm like, I can't watch anything on this. And then, like, I'll see a little suggestion, like, 
15 minutes of Final Fantasy 15 gameplay. I'm like, okay, like, it's just, it's like a couple hundred hour game. What if I watch, like, a minute of this? And I'll watch a minute, I'm like, nope, 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 you can't do this, Matt. Nope, you gotta experience this fresh. And, like, it, it's been the hardest thing ever. Like, <laughs> arguably as hard as Fallout 4 for me. Like, I've, I'm trying so hard not to watch anything on this game, not to read anything, but it's so exciting, man. I, I, I am so, okay, here's the thing. in the candy store. Yeah, because here's the thing, is that people are finally trying Final Fantasy 15, but a lot of people who aren't trying it are like, oh, I haven't played the other 14. And I'm just sitting there like, dude, you don't have to. They're not one after the other after the other after the other. They're like each a brand new Final Fantasy game just in that universe. They have nothing to do with one another unless it's like 7, which has to deal with like Crisis Core, or 10, or 13. Those are tied into each other. But 15 is, is no different from 14 online or 12, or is different rather, from 14 online 12, 11, and so on. Mm. All standalone. So if you're on the fence and listening to this right now, you've liked what you've seen for Final Fantasy 15. Um, I've heard big corporations like the IGN, the GameSpot, have review copies, so I'm sure you'll have your review around launch day. If that, if your interest is peaked on this game, but you thought that it wouldn't be worth it because you haven't played other Final Fantasy games, if the reviews end up being good, then I would say go for it. Um, because you don't have to play the, the previous games at all. But not okay. at all. I mean, you'll have probably a deeper appreciation for like, for example, I'm so excited in the in the car that you drive around. You the soundtrack in the game. It's not music. It's like previous Final Fantasy game music. So That's like cool. the exploration themes, the other battle music. It's gonna be so fucking awesome. Like just to have a huge nostalgia trip while I'm driving around or flying. Mm. You can turn your car into a ship and fly. See what I'm saying? Like, this is so cool. <laughs> I can't wait. Can I ask one thing? All right. Why are they still sticking with, like, calling it Final Fantasy 15 and 14 and 13? Like, why are they still sticking with that numbered uh, titles when they don't really make sense because they're not really sequels of another? Nah, that's a good question. I don't I, – I'm sure maybe someone's answered it out there. Um I think it's because the series is is popular. Final Fantasy XV has a lot of interest. It's selling anyway where they can continue this style yeah. of naming the games this way. It doesn't need to fans. make sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where I mean, it does make sense, but I'm saying that they can keep naming the games in this style because it's not impacting sales. Yeah, where, fair enough. You know, if anything, see, it's uh, helping. Dishonored it. yeah. 2, and they're like, oh, I never played the first one. I'm not buying this. Where with Final Fantasy, it's become gradually common knowledge. It's like, I don't have to play the other 14. I'm just going to play 15. Or people yeah. see this ridiculously high number and think there's no way this is all connected for 15 fucking games. <laughs> I'm going to play this one. Could you imagine if it was like you, they released oh. Final Fantasy 16 and it just ties all the stories together in some sort of brilliant way? There's, you think, uh, <gasps> there's one game that's getting close to that. That's Kingdom Hearts 3. That's tied into 1, 2, Birth by Sleep, uh, 3, 5, 8 over 2 days. Nice. Um, Rechain of Memories, Recoded. Uh, I have six games counted right now. I believe there's nine. There's going to be Chapter 2, Birth by Sleep, Key Back Cover. Um, did I say Dream Drop Distance? Yeah. Mm. That's all I can think of right now. I have I have eight games counted, though, right now. So, yeah, like, they're getting there. Where, like, those are all eight games are going to tie into the story for Kingdom Hearts 3, which will be nine. That's so, cool. yeah, th- there are game series like that. And ironically, that's by Square Enix as well. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to our fan questions. We got a lot of good ones here today. So let's Wait. start off with one from Mad220023, who asks, what are your go-to games when playing with friends? 
So you, you raised this question before, and I just forgot to think of an answer to it. It's a really good question, by the way. This all, now, I have a good used answer. To, it used to be in the past, Call of Duty, of course, mm. um, and then it became Zombies, and then now it's arguably FIFA. It's usually the go-to. Like, most of my mm. friends play FIFA. Like, casual gamers, they're not really hardcore, but everyone knows what FIFA is, so it's definitely FIFA now. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, my, my easy go-to one is... Um... What's it called? Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah, that's that, a good. One. That would probably be my go-to one. Um, for, actually, really, what it is is boot up the PS2. Uh, for my personal group of friends, is just boot up the PS2 and just bring a collection of old games, and we'll just rotate a bunch of different games. So we'll play Dragon Ball Z. We'll play MLB yeah. Slugfest. Uh, I dominated one of my best friends, Brian, in that. <laughs> it was so funny. I kicked his ass like fifteen nothing. But um. <laughs> Yeah, that that's what we do. But Smash is usually the the go to. Like, let's get some drinks. Let's get Smash. Yeah, and you can play up the four play. Like those kinds of games make sense. I mean, and you can do that with FIFA as well. Um, and this is why I, 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 even though I don't really have friends coming around the apartment because I'm in a different city, but if I was back home, games that had split screen or that had everyone playing on screen at the same time, those are always the most fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those types of games always work out pretty well with friends. But yeah, mm-hmm. for me, Smash. Smash or bust. Uh, next question comes from guest from last week, the Desert Ranger, who says, worst facepalm moment you've ever had? Oh. Yeah. I, do, you ha- do you have an answer? Oh, man. Probably have to okay, involve I, a, have to I, involve I a girl this one thing. for me. <laughs> Um, so it was facepalm if you were looking at me doing this, but for me it was very embarrassing. So I was, I think I was like in, I was in primary school, maybe year four or five, and I was doing a presentation speech, and I was meant, I was trying to say like the word six, and I ended up saying sex, and this is in front of like a bunch of primary school kids. It was all very funny. Everyone laughed. It was facepalm, and then I just went off and cried. Wait, really? <laughs> Yeah. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. How old were you? Uh, I, I want to say I was fairly young. I, I think it was... Uh, it must have been year three or four. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I, I don't know okay. what age I would have been then, but yeah, it, I, I must have been below the age of 10. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Then. I thought you meant like this is recently. Like, I, I went off and cried. I'm like, oh, he's just kidding. <laughs> no. You're like, no, I did. I'm That's like, how oh. I deal with my emotions, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, hard, but it's really bump. hard to um to make me cry personally. Like not mm. in a way like I gotta be rock. I'm I don't like showing my emotions. I'm pretty emotional. Gotta be guy. a man. Yeah, for me it's just like I will get to the point where my tear ducts will be full. Like I'll feel my eyes water, but it's like I have to like like to like come on, yeah. let him go. Like I, I, I don't yeah. know why they just don't come out. It, it's weird, but um Fair for enough. me a facepalm moment. Uh, I think I told the story, so I'm gonna avoid that one, especially because it's really fucking humiliating it sounds like you're running off a list or something of just like stories no, you have, have that my, you have, my face, I have my head in my hands um <laughs> a fucking face you, can, you can do it maddie <laughs> oh man mm. he's like going through his head and thinking not nah, can't tell that one can't no, tell no, that no, one I'm, I'm going that's gonna it. kill my channel <laughs> <laughs> that'll end my career that'll prevent a future job <laughs> Companies won't want to work with me after yeah. that. So. 
<laughs> no, I mean, yeah, there are definitely stories like that, but I, I, those aren't <laughs> the ones that have gone through my head. I'm, I'm going through the ones that are, are safe stories. Um, safe stories. <laughs> there, okay, okay, okay. I got one from my freshman year of high school. Uh, so I'm in my English classroom, and it's me, Ivan, and this kid who I'm friends with. Uh, and I don't know why his name matters, so forget it. But um, <laughs> we're just like sitting there talking, and so you know how like college desks are set up, like the the chair and the desk are connected into one, and there's no like leg under the desk. That's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the thing in my high school to have those, and since this is my first year, and I'm coming from junior high, where like we had those four legged desks and then those plastic chairs, so you were like. Is your chair and your desk not all in one? So I used to sit uh-huh. on my desk a lot. So I go to <laughs> I go to sit on my desk here during um, English class, and and down I go with a full backpack. I fucking roll across the floor. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I'm just like laying on my back, like fuck, like I can't believe I just fucking sat on the desk and there's no leg to support it. So literally, I was just dropping on my ass, literally. <laughs> and, and this is in front of everyone i'm just like oh my god oh it's so embarrassing yeah, like, I, I know everyone's gonna walk out in the hallway and instantly go yo did you see that kid fall and so <laughs> did, you, me, did I, you see that fucking kid fall <laughs> for so me it was like funny. the second i put my ass on the desk i was like oh boy that's that's when i facepalmed for myself i was like oh boy like why did you sit there well it's like every time you're about to fall over or you know miss grabbing onto something it's that split second where you know you're <laughs> fucked up like or like when you're about to fall into a pool or something <laughs> yeah it was at this moment maddie knew he fucked up yeah and, like, i just picture a freeze frame of me like right about to hit the ground and then boom just like, there goes the desk everyone turns their head i'm on my ass like oh my god and then of course the teachers they have to be uh you know the, ta- the caretakers at heart where they're like oh my god are you okay i'm like oh stop yelling please like i'm, I'm fine don't bring more attention here <laughs> i'm humiliated that's brilliant speaking of brilliant guy named andy very active user on Sugar Bombs asked a brilliant question: If you could have dinner and sex with anyone in history, who would it be and why? <laughs> oh Christ! So, See, Maddie and I—he he brought up this question before, and we both admitted that we're not very good at history. So it, it has to be someone that's not fingers. alive today, correct? Yeah. Um, all right, I'm looking up female historical figures right now. Um, <laughs> what are we doing the same female historical figures it's even a suggestion oh wow who are these girls holy shit I mean, who are these girls let's go images that's what i'm doing it's like the first the, the second and third girl do you see that oh oh wait i Is know that this... marilyn monroe i don't i don't actually i don't know but hold on i i know this girl she's the fourth image she's in one of my favorite movies ever made i have to i have to get her name okay um Hold on. Let's see if I can find it. View gallery. I have to go through 76 photos? I'm going to do this. <laughs> Joanne of Arc, dude. Oh, man. What a yeah, catch. I'm in a page called, yeah, Women Who Changed the World. And I'm just seeing most recent ones. Uh, is, is this her? Oh, but some of them are still alive, though. Let me see if this is... Hold on. Before I answer this question, let me see if this is the same woman I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'll say Marilyn Monroe. That's what, that's who I'll say. She in um, what was the Christmas movie? Oh fuck, what was it? Oh my god, what was it? It's oh, not... you know what? No, I've got a great answer. I've got a great answer. Yeah, you, you ready for this? Yeah. Billie Holiday. Ooh. 
does that name better be familiar to any of you watching this? If you don't know who mm. Billy Holiday is, turn off the fucking podcast. Oh man, <laughs> should know by now. Okay, yeah, um, I gotta go one. Yep. Her name is Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid. Ingrid Bergman. She was the yeah, wife a, in It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I oh my god, she's gorgeous, dude. Ingrid Bergman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and yeah. I think Fallout <laughs> fans can appreciate her. She's kind of like your your pinner sort of girl. You know what I'm saying, or or whatever the word yeah, she's is. Very she's very pretty. Yeah, definitely, definitely a a, a date and do it woman. <laughs> No, just kidding. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna go on multiple dates. Okay, and, and have it. Li- no, she's a, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, That's a good answer, Maddie. Yeah. Anyone in history, <laughs> I'll take her. I'm pretty sure she passed away too. So like that, that counts. She's she's yeah. historic. I oh, died in 1982. So okay, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> so Billy Holiday and Ingrid Bergman. All right, this is a, <laughs> that's an answer I didn't expect to walk away with. Final question. Uh, we'll wrap around to gaming. Meme Fesser asks, what are your thoughts on fast travel in video games? Should they exist or should they be limited? And he used an example of carriages in Skyrim. So this was an interesting question because I was a fan of the Fallout 3 mod that you can only fast travel using uh, a motorbike. Mm-hmm. And I think these kinds of fast travel me- methods are really are, are they're a really good balance because what you don't want is a game that you have to walk everywhere to get everywhere because people that just don't have a lot of time to play games like myself don't want to spend 80% of their fucking game time just walking around like Fallout 4 hardcore mode which I'm still a bit shitty about I hated how they did that because that's not hardcore it doesn't make it hard it just makes it long and annoying mm-hmm. um so that's why I do like those fast travel methods because I can understand why some people think fast travel is a, is, is cheap so that if you are still playing Fallout 3, that mod where you can only travel with a motorcycle that you have to maintain and, and keep uh, filled up with fuel, great, great mod. So, yeah, I, I do like those fast travel methods. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think it's more of a world-building type of thing where for Skyrim, you see these carriages around the world. It's like, okay, this is how they get from point A to point B in a quick fashion. Not everyone walks around everywhere. In Fallout, it's like, how did you all get here? How do you all go from one place to the other in a quick fashion? Um, where it's not just teleporting. Skyrim, it made sense. You have carriages. Fallout didn't really have that. So yeah. it's also, in terms of world world building, I think fast travel mechanics that might not be used are still things that are important to incorporate. But for me, should they exist or should they be limited? Like you said, fast travel should always exist because not every gamer will have the time to walk everywhere yeah um, but should they be limited maybe yeah i don't like certain games where they have fast travel points i think that becomes a little redundant and breaks up the flow where yeah. you want to get from one place to the other you go to a certain place and that'll take you to the other place i'm not a fan of that for me i don't have an issue with the way hardcore mode in fallout 4 works though i like the walking everywhere aspect because i think to myself if i'm the wanderer yeah, and that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm wandering around, around, around. Get it? Oh, so. That's a great song. <laughs> no, but the, all, all all they need to do is just give us the choice. I think. I mean, yeah. the, the only thing I was a bit shitty about with the hardcore mode is that hardcore mode would have been a mode that I could have played practically given my schedule had it not been for that one particular aspect. I would have liked to just to have had. All right, 
you can fast travel everywhere or you can walk everywhere or, you know, there's some sort of happy in-between medium. But here's, all or nothing is just, uh Here's the way a lot of games can fix their problems. And I'm not saying this is a flip of the switch fix, but I think this is a post-launch fix that they could do or something they can do mid-development if they've put a focus on it. Customizable difficulty. If I don't want fast travel, let me turn that off. If I want to yeah. have options for my eating and fatigue and all that stuff, like for a Fallout 4 Hardcore, we'll use it as an example. Then let me yeah. turn that on or off. Let me customize the experience. I know Dishonored is going to be having a patch that, like we mentioned earlier, will be adding New Game Plus, but it will also be adding customizable difficulty. And I think, especially in Dishonored 2, that type of mechanic makes sense. But I think in an open world, you could have mechanics that can be disabled or enabled, like a fast travel, to Mm. tailor the experience to a certain play style where you'll have those nights where maybe you'll cave in and you're trying to do that, for example, a a run-through where you're not fast traveling and you'll be really lazy that night and you'll cave hmm. in and you'll fast travel. Yeah, that's your fault. But maybe if you had it disabled, you'd say, fuck it, I'm just going to have to walk anyway, right? So. I, I just wish there was a way that Fallout could have the equivalent of Skyrim's horses or Borderlands cars. Mm-hmm. You know, so, something that at least uh, expedited the traveling process if you did want to individually, physically move around everywhere. Because in Fallout, I mean, it's fast travel or walking. In Skyrim, it's fast travel, horse, back, or walking. You know, at least there is that kind of uh, yeah, in-between that medium that... Uh, what could Fallout be? Because cars don't really exist. Like, I, I know that there are... Uh, fucking, I, I use the word helicopters. I don't know the actual names. Oh, bird, bird. <clears throat> bird, bird, sorry. Um, and then, like, there, there are those kinds of mechanics there. But I'm talking about for people on the ground, th- there's not really cars. There's not really motorcycles. What can there be? Brahmin? That's I don't what, know. That, I suggested that before launch in a wish list episode, because I, I at the point in time I wasn't aware that horses don't exist in the Fallout universe, which was, I suppose, short sighted of me. But I, mm. I I didn't know that, and so I was thinking like, what other types of travel could you have? And people were like, Brahmin, but Brahmin aren't really. They're very slow. Yeah, I was gonna say they don't get you around at a quicker pace now. Hypothetically speaking, we could tie in the Fallout 4 Settlement DLC from Wasteland Workshop, which lets you tame animals, and then you could tame a Yaogwai and ride that around, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> could you imagine riding a Yaogwai yeah, like, into battle? To me, that seems like breaking the fourth <laughs> wall way too much. But I agree, That's there has brilliant. to be this vehicle that you can drive. Um, I don't know. A Wanamingo. There. Yeah, that would be beautiful. I'd be very happy with that. <laughs> but God, they're fucking dread- terrifying. What? I feel like a motorcycle would be good. I, I know that they really... I mean, you see them all around in Fallout 4. Yeah, they, they I mean, have, like, easily one could be repaired. I, yeah. I feel like that would be a feasible idea. That's a... I can park this. It's not wide like a car where the world would have to take sacrifices to fit the car. Sure. I think a motorcycle would work in the terms of Fallout game. Um, you know, and it's shown it can work like the Highwayman in Fallout 2. That's a vehicle in the Fallout universe that became resource management it wasn't just a thing that you could cruise around wherever you had to make sure you took care of it in that regard because it used ammo that you could be using as its fuel let's be honest one of the biggest influences of fallout is mad max and mad max had vehicles like there's no there's no real reason i mean fucking fallout has vertebrates and people are saying that vehicles aren't realistic of course they're realistic Mm. there's vertebrates for god's sakes and big blimps in the sky like the the pridwin like it's the thing I, is that I, I feel like what separates Fallout and, and Mad Max is that lack of cars almost because you put cars in there. Obviously, we were going to be like, well, where's car combat? I know people it's are like going to say Mad that's Max a stretch. Now. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. And then it's it's Mad Max at that point. 
Well, then just motorcycles there, no cars. Yeah, motorcycle would make sense. Now you yeah. mention it, like, all you see are destroyed cars. It's like, dude, people just walk and then settle, and that's it. Yeah, it's just... I, I get it. I get it. It's that wandering aspect. It's, you know, I, mm-hmm. I understand. And if Fallout were to never introduce motorcycles or if another form of, of travel, I'd understand. Just keep uh, fast travel because I think... at the end of the day, it is a game. I, I know people like things to be immersive and realistic, but when people have real-life obligations and don't want to walk everywhere in a game, walking isn't fun. It's fun yeah. when you have the time to immerse yourself. But... Here's what I thought of, though, is that when I'm playing a Bethesda Game Studios game, especially that first time, it's that walking that is so rewarding a lot of the times, right? You're taking in those sights. If you're in a yeah. car... You have to stop to take in those sights. Yeah, and a lot of times you'll be like, eh. So I think it's a design choice because when you're walking, you'll have those moments where you'll intentionally walk really slow and slow and like pan the camera across and be like, holy fuck, this yeah. is gorgeous. And you can't really, and it's not that you can't have that in a car, but you sometimes you fly by too fast to really have that moment where when you're walking, yeah, true. And, it's, it's and you also fly by areas that you would otherwise explore if you were walking. So yeah. I get that. So maybe like an old dingy motorcycle that doesn't run too fast. I think I think a end game reward as a motorcycle. I think that would make sense. Okay. I, I think yeah. that would be fair. Um, and then obviously people complain, then put a patch in where you can get it early in the game at some point to really feel out <laughs> the reception. Yeah, this is the beauty of modern gaming. Yes. Anyway, that's all the questions we have. Now I'll wrap up uh, episode eighty five of the Ham Radio Podcast. Nice. Get into a hundred, Maddie. We're getting yeah, there. we're we're very close, dude. It's beautiful. <laughs> We, we're gonna do something special yeah we got to figure that out <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> although we're still 15 weeks away so when you put it that way it's mm, still true. next year that's true it, well, at least it's after the christmas break so we can we have some time to go away think about it then we'll come back and have an awesome 100 true. podcast true all right man this has been fun this has been, i i really feel uh, rejuvenated right now so this has been it's been a really good conversation that's no, good. That's good. And, you know, we'll, we'll, in the future, we'll try and get fans back on the podcast. I know that last two weeks we did. This week, we decided, decided Maddie and I just wanted to have a more one-on-one podcast, which are always fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of you guys seem to really enjoy those, too. So we thank those who stayed this late. As always, be sure to tweet us and let us know if you stayed this long, because you're the viewers we like to personally thank. Yeah. So other than that, Lone, any final words? No, we'll see you next week. Oh, actually, I won't be here next week, so uh, you'll see Maddie. You'll see <laughs> but I'm, at least week. I'm warning you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, maybe, maybe no. Ah, who, the, who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck knows? <laughs> who the fuck knows? <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>